Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Welcome to Soul Talks. We're going to be talking about help for depression, and Christy and I are so glad to welcome a new friend on the Soul Talks, Gary Kinneman, author of Leaders That Last and Sing in the Dark, and a longtime uh, church pastor of Word of Grace Church in Mesa, Arizona. And as we broadcast, actually, we are here uh, in Gilbert, Arizona, at the offices of Historic Agency. Really appreciate Mark Miller and Historic, and so. We're doing a podcast, and I just want to welcome you, Gary. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for uh, all the heat you brought to us here. No, I I didn't bring it. (laughs) Maybe we'll bring some before this is over. Yep. Anybody ever say that to you when you preach? Thanks for bringing the heat, preach. (laughs) Bringing the warmth, bringing the spirit. Yeah, a little different, you know, in a more spiritual way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Gary, you've been pastoring for a long time, and now you're in a different side of your career, coming alongside uh, other pastors and organizations, and that's been a big, uh, big change for you, I imagine. Well, as of today, I've been in ministry for almost 50 years, but I was a pastor of a local church, a senior pastor for 25 years, right, right here in the East Valley in Mesa, Arizona, and it was a sort of a church plant. It was a it was a satellite campus, and then I, I just, it became an independent campus, and I became the pastor of that church. And for 25 years, you uh, grew that church, pastored those people, uh, and years before and after. That is like a lot of longevity. So you are living the title of your book, Leaders That Last. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I couldn't have done it without my friend who wrote the book with me. I know you talk, uh, your ministry is about soul care, especially for leaders. And I, I, I'm a, just a strong, very strong believer in, in the need for every leader to be in an accountable relationship with someone they, they respect. Um, I, I have a theme verse. I, th- I think it, it uh, packs this into just a couple of verses. I like to ask people, have you ever heard the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Have you ever heard that verse? I have. It's a great verse. I yes. love it. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question and nobody ever has been able to answer. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can, I, I can, uh, I, I, I've learned the secret of being content and uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. What, what does the next verse say? You're putting me on the spot, but I should know this because I memorized that passage. Is it whatever you've seen in me or heard in me? No, that's before that. The next verse begins with the word yet. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Ah. So good. That's empathy right there. I still needed your empathy. That's what he said. That's right. Well, actually, actually he's referring to offerings. Mm-hmm. financial right. support yeah. but you know that's really superficial but if you need it for that you need it for all kinds of stuff well and your point is that we we often you know recite i can do all things through christ who strengthens me to to reach the finish line in a race or to hit a home run or to have strength to do some you know great great act of, of uh, ministry or leadership or accomplish something super and that's fine to do that but i think your your point is that well it's really about uh times of hunger or times of 
distress, times of trouble, and uh, inviting God and inviting a safe friend, uh, an accountability partner, into that. The verse isn't just about me. Right. Doing it alone. Uh, the verse, uh, the two verses together are about how yes, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but Jesus uses people in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just before that, he says, "Indeed, I rejoice that you renewed your concern for me." He, he is thanking them before that verse as well, and we do. We can't do life even with Christ alone. He's created us to do it in community. He's created us to really depend on on each other. I, I've got a, a great story. My my son David uh, is in, in full-time ministry, and, and maybe you heard that he lost his wife in the yeah. last year that's been really kind of national news to brain cancer. And Jill, Jill was, uh, uh, she, she was very active as, as a mm. high school student. They met in high school. She was the captain of the girls' swimming team for two years at Mountain View High School, and they lost every year to the Catholics at Xavier. And uh, anyway, she ran in the LA Marathon and one time, and about five with five miles left in the race, uh, there was some other woman just standing on the curb, stretching and warming up, and she jumped into the race. Well, there are people who have friends wait with five miles to go, and so this woman, she said, my friend called me, and she had to drop out of the race, and I just picked you randomly, and I'm going to run with you. To make sure you finish. That's that's how you are a leader that lasts. Someone runs with you. Yes. Someone keeps stride with you. Yes. And they share in their, their your troubles with you. Yes. We do that for each other. Yes. And that's that's your story. Uh, and we're going to get that in just a minute. Let me just give some statistics here on depression. So seven percent of people in the United States have had a depressive episode in the last year. I read. Ninety percent of pastors say they are fatigued and worn out every week. Fifty percent of pastors are discouraged right now and wish they could have another job. And COVID has tripled the rates of depression. So that, that's some of what we're dealing with in terms of um, depression and uh, mental health these days. Well, I've heard a lot of statistics like that, and I'm part of the statistics. So I wrote this book with a doctor friend, Bethany House. Uh, I'd done some other writing, and they asked me to do a book on Maybe we just talked about it because of my own personal experience. Uh, I've been on antidepressants uh, since I was 50 years old. And, uh, and I, I suffered a lot just with darkness, especially in the morning. Mm. And uh, this friend of mine that wrote the book, the other book with me, Leaders at Last, Al said, you know, some antidepressants could really help you with that. And so I've, I've been on antidepressants, but that's something that, Church people don't want to talk about, and I think my my co-author of this book, Seeing in the Dark, I think he he really, to me, this is a, just a really helpful insight that everyone experiences discouragement, but depression is not the same as discouragement. Discouragement is always rooted in some circumstances, and we all feel discouraged, but we like to say I'm depressed. But you you folks are are professionals. And so you would know that depression is, it's a condition. It's, uh, it, it may, may or not be uh, related to any circumstance. There's a lot of biology in that. Yes. Yeah, so what you're talking, when we're talking about depression, we're talking about something different than reactive depression. Like yes. say, say a grief, you lose a loved one. Yes. Like uh, David loses his wife, you lost your daughter-in-law. And 
wow, there, there's a lot of sadness there. There's a lot of questions and a lot of emotions. And there might be some depression, but that's a reactive sort of thing yes. tied to the circumstance. And the depression that is uh, biological or ingrained in our personality and our functioning is uh, rather intractable uh, uh, without some treatment. I like to say it's, a, it's the art of medicine because there's, it's not like taking two or four Advil because you have a headache. Uh, it's sometimes difficult to determine just what kind of medication somebody needs and how much. So my doctor friend, his wife was uh, clinically depressed, bedridden. So he's lived with someone who has really suffered. I'm writing as a pastor and to say, hey, it's okay. Uh, not, it's not fun, but I mean, it's not something that's abnormal. And you can't just say, well, you know, if you just trust Jesus, it's going to go away. And I like to, I like liken uh, antidepressants to uh, insulin for people who have uh, diabetes. Um, you can't just make it go away. So there's a biological issue that we're, we're dealing with. It's so good, Gary, that you are public about this because a lot of people feel they feel a lot of shame. Yes. For suffering with depression, and they hide it, and they they don't get help because yes. of it. Yes, well, you need to talk to somebody, like I talked about at the very beginning. You know, you need someone to share in your troubles. But sometimes you just need medication. And oddly enough, I've never struggled with this, but you guys would notice that, um, that people who take antidepressants, and I'll just mention somebody in my family, in my extended family, does that, and then they think one day, I, I don't have to do this mm -hmm. anymore. And they go off the meds, and they right away go back in, into the darkness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always pray for people that are on medicine that they will receive that as God's gift, uh, like, like a nutrient in their food that mm -hmm. they will receive. That, you know, the Lord has inspired scientists and doctors and uh, clinicians and therapists and so forth to come up with this. And this is uh, good for your body, good for your mind, good for your health, good for your relationships, good for your, your spiritual life. Yes. Well, it's really important because, unfortunately, sometimes in the church we have gotten judgmental of people and have thought their faith was weak, and that's not what it is. And so to be able to speak to that is really important. One of the things that I wrote about in here is that just at that time there were several things that I had read, and I've included these, uh, these references in the book itself. When Mother Teresa passed away, some of her personal writings became public. By the way, nobody knows this. Someone else well-known died the same day Mother Teresa died. Princess Diana. Hmm. You know, it's just there's an interesting a lot of things you could talk about the, the the two women and what they represented. Yeah. But uh, anyway, she she s s said in her personal writings that she essentially lived with depression and darkness. And I found a blog about that online, and it was a pastor. I won't mention his denomination or his persuasion, but he was, uh, you know, there's this thing between evangelicals and Catholics. Um, you know, if you're Catholic, you can't be a Christian if you're not Catholic. And so for some evangelicals, you can't be a Christian if you are a Catholic. And so, so anyway, she, uh, she suffered, and this, this individual wrote, you know, now we know she, she wasn't saved. Hmm. That is so so wrong and so harsh. Yeah, um, yeah it's, some people say she was in a dark night of the soul. And that's the thing about, um, you know, and we could differentiate depression and the dark night. That would be a whole other conversation. But, but it, it, it is an important point that in a, a, a spiritual dark night, there can be 
uh, an experience of depression with that. And in Mother Teresa's case, you might be making the point, Gary, that perhaps she was suffering from a clinical depression. It wasn't just a a spiritual experience of God's absence, but there was actually depression there. Well, I I think those those two things kind of go hand in hand. Because when you, whether you're clinically depressed or discouraged, you just feel the absence of God. Mm-hmm. And if you feel the absence of God, it, it's depressing. Many people that have a dark night of the soul, though, it's a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, a wall, like we talk about in uh, the Journey of the Soul book. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's um, more like a, a circumstantial depression mm-hmm. that's, that's uh, a, a season, a, a period of time. And uh, your experience with depression has been that it's been very much embedded uh, in, into your whole, your whole body and being and personality. And so let's, uh, you know, let's talk to the, uh, the pastors and, and the leaders and, and caregivers and spiritual directors listening and, and their spouses. So some of, some of us struggle with depression. And here you are as someone who got up uh, in the morning, maybe sometimes later than you, you would have otherwise. You're I, saying, I have a Bible verse for that. If God wanted us to see the sunrise, he would have scheduled it later. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You like, like that, that. Christy. <laughs> I'm not a morning person either. <laughs> Tell us, how did you manage being a pastor with depression? I mean, this is like Charles Spurgeon. It's like, so how did you do this? Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression. Yeah, well, it's just, it's day to day. It's having the right people in your life. Uh, and I think I think it's I, I have I have this belief that there are two fundamental Christian virtues that that, that are more significant, and uh, they, they kind of trump everything else. One is faithfulness, and the other is forgiveness. And uh, forgiveness is just such a God thing, you know. What Jesus said to Peter, "No, seventy times seven, the disciple said, increase our faith." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, facing the weekends, preach if we're preaching, you know, I. I always I so identified with the Apostle Paul who said that uh, f- that preaching is foolishness. Uh, you know, I look in the mirror, you look in the mirror in the morning, and then I say to, I say to the guy in the mirror, now today you're going to tell people all about God, you're going to explain life to them, you're going to, you know, let them know that you're together and an example for them to follow, and, and it's just there's such a discontinuity between who we are and... Mm-hmm. And uh, what God calls us to do, which is my, my other life message, is, is uh, grace. We're mm. saved by grace alone. So getting up and getting started, once I'm active, do you, do you experience this, mm-hmm. Christy? When, when you get up and then you get going and you're active and you get your mind on other things, it helps to press through the day. It does. In fact, action is curative for depression, but the problem is depression paralyzes us. Uh, that's right. So yeah. action is so hard when you're depressed. Have you experienced some yourself? Yes. Uh, I think it goes with the, the night uh, uh, cycle, the night of the, what do you say? Circadian rhythms? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> people, do you, it, I, I'm going to ask you this. Is it, is it uh, evident that people who are, are night owls are often more depressed than people who aren't? Probably. I don't know the statistics on that, but it does make me think of SAD, seasonal affective disorder and the whole light therapy thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's all is happening there, but I've experienced depression, not in the same way that you have, Gary, but uh, I had some years where I was I was quite depressed, and in my case, I think it related a lot to that dark night of the soul, and it's not something I'm dealing with now in, in, a, um, in a pervasive way, but 
I, I know the feeling of slogging through wet cement and uh, you feel like you're in a bog and people that haven't been depressed maybe don't understand that it's just everything looks bleak and, and you, you, can't, you can't think yourself out of it or think yourself forward. And um, yeah, tell, tell us some more of your experiences with, with depression so that someone that's listening that, you know, it, it helps us so much when uh, someone else articulates our experience. Yes. Uh, well, have, have you, uh, when you talk about slogging through, uh, have you ever seen despair.com? Have you ever seen that website? They sell demotivational posters. Uh, Gary, that doesn't seem like a good website for you to visit. <laughs> well, Did you, do you, you know, do that before or after you take the medicine? <laughs> I think my, my sense of humor is uh, kind of uh, like Abraham Lincoln's. <laughs> you know, it was there was always sort of a dark element, hmm. and that was one of the things that I wrote about in this book. There was a phenomenal article about his melancholy. It was a cover article in, hmm. in the Atlantic, and it said that uh, ironically he may have been considered unfit for public office because of his mental illness. And then, of course, he lost a child, and he had, hmm. his wife was really mentally ill. Yes. And uh, so he, he sort of, I think he covered that with uh, kind of raw humor. Hmm. But the article said, uh, ironically, that it may have been his depression and his kind of uh, obsessive realism hmm. that allowed him to lead the country through the Civil War. Hmm. And sometimes I, you know, I feel that, you know, it is what it is. And I mentioned a, a little while ago, the Apostle Paul said that there was a, a, a spirit uh, that was was sent to oppress him, mm. and you know people get oppressed when they're sick. But knowing that Paul was probably a tight triple A guy, mm -hmm. and he seemed to have anger issues, you know, when you read in the Book of Acts, I wouldn't be surprised if I, I, I would would be surprised if he didn't have some kind of what we would call clinical depression, mm. and he prayed for that to go away. Mm. And I have another story. I just heard this recently. Um, I was on a telephone. I was on a Zoom call with a couple of other pastors. We, we have a movement here to try to spend some brief periods of time with our legislatures, a state government, just praying for them. And we were talking with the, the president of the Senate, the Arizona Senate, who's LDS. And... And one of the guys, I mean, it was just to me one of the, a kind of a classic Christian question. What's your passion? Hmm. And, and he paused and he said, you know, I don't think about passion a lot. I do think about duty. Hmm. And, you know, the idea of being lighthearted and excited about what you're doing. And I mean, you talk about my experience in the ministry. Uh, you know, I, you probably experienced this as a public speaker. There's a, there's an exhilaration when you're speaking, and you know you're just hitting the ball out of the park, and you know people are responding, and then you go home, and it it takes a day yeah. or two to recover, and so you, you you go from these highs to these lows, and you tend to lean on the passion side of it. That I'm doing this because I'm passionate. Well, passion, you know, you guys have been married for 35 years. Mm -hmm. Passion is very important. But what, what, what I think Trump's passion is duty mm. and faithfulness to mm. one another. Mm. And uh, I, I, I just, you know, the scripture of spending time with God, I, I've done multiple personal retreats. 
I have an unofficial spiritual director who's an Anglican bishop. I've got my friend Al who's a therapist. And all of these things, and I, I, fortunately I, I have a lot of hobbies and just interests in doing things and helps me. Yeah, so these are some of your different uh, soul care practices, yeah. uh, ways that you pray and meditate and uh, people you talk to and like the subtitle in your book here, how covenant friendships can help pastors thrive. We, we really need uh, someone that is a, uh, some more than one person, hopefully, that is a go-to person where that, that way of talking and being honest and uh, sharing our life and uh, praying for each other, that that's, that's already established so that when we're in, in a, a, a place of trouble, a place of need, we know right where to go. We neglect that. So when there is trouble, we haven't developed the practice of mm-hmm. spending time with people. I've, I've said this to my congregation from time to time, talking about the importance of relationships. In the Catholic community, they have a sacrament called confession. Yeah. This friend of mine that I mentioned earlier, uh, who also graduated from Oral Roberts University, he was the chairman of my board, a very, still is a very dear friend, and he, he ex- began to explore Catholicism as I was considering making a transition, and he became a full-on Catholic. And he told me confession it provides such a cleansing for his soul. Hmm. The Bible says, these are for all the Bible-believing Christians that listen to your podcast. The Bible says, pray, uh, pray for one another uh, that uh, you, you may be healed and, and confess your sins to one another. And in, in good evangelical churches, you know, this is a pretty sweeping statement, but I don't know that anybody confesses any sins to anyone for periods of years. Hmm. And part of that is that there there isn't that uh, sort of built-in dynamic that sees confession as a necessity. I had a friend say years ago, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another for healing. Hmm. I mean, and if you're, in, if you're in recovery, you know how uh, how powerful it is, you know, to just say, say, okay. Yeah, well, Soul Shepherding is one ministry of trying to make a difference in that, and that's why this podcast is called Soul Talks, yeah. because we, we want to have real, authentic conversations uh, out of uh, what we're actually experiencing in life, and give words to the, the times that are uh, discouraging, if we're struggling with depression, anxiety, a conflict in a relationship, compulsive behavior, that uh, as Christians, uh, as disciples of Jesus, as pastors, as missionaries, as uh, shepherds of all kinds, we can have these challenges, and we need to be honest about that. And the Bible models that for us, right? You know, in the Psalms and uh, Apostle Paul stories you're talking about. So uh, let's come back to something that you were saying just a few minutes ago, Gary, because I think it will really relate to all... All of our listeners who are teachers, preachers, bloggers, communicators, you know that feeling Gary was describing. I know it. You know it, Christy, that, that high, that, that sense of passion, the sense of when we are in our craft and we are, we're speaking, we're ministering, and people are appreciating that, there is a, there's an energy, there's a fulfillment, there's a sense of, of, of connection and engagement and aliveness, and, and God is using me. That, that's not bad. It's good. <laughs> It's good, but then when that's over, 
then we, we feel the drop and the, the drop, especially today, if, if you're a, a church pastor and, and, and the, the pressure around the Sunday service to make it, make it exciting and make it really insightful and, and warm and a, and a great worship experience for people, your body's going to have some adrenaline that goes with that. And so you, you, you get up for that and that feels good. And that, that's, as you said, Gary, that's not bad. That's natural and God uses that. But then when we step out of that, we, we sink down. And especially if you've already got a, a personality constitution, a biology around a depressive end of things, that, that is, is quite a drop. Yes, uh, which is why, I, without ever hearing Archibald Hart talk about this, why I always took Mondays off and yeah. not Fridays. Uh, you know, g- give your best days to your family. <laughs> Mondays, everybody's going back to work. The kids are in school. <laughs> So I always took Monday off. I'd, I'd go and have lunch on Monday with my executive pastor and did a few things in the office. And then uh, I worked hard on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and took a two-day weekend. I think your point is that Monday could be kind of depressing because it was a quiet day. Yes. And so the feelings would come up and you'd feel that letdown. Yes. Yeah. And so the real temptation then is to work all the harder, speak more, if, if find, find more adrenalizing excitement, right? And so you can see how we can get a cycle of, of addiction here. Exactly. I, I agree with this. It's a cycle of addiction. Or we can get a cycle of uh, ambition and ego fulfillment that can promote this, uh, what we call a sanctification gap, that, where we sort of become two people. We got the one that we present on stage, with what we believe and what we're saying. And I mean, it's a part of us, but then there's this other side of me that I'm hiding from, from the public that's not able to live that stuff out. And if I'm not, as you're saying, talking to somebody about that gap and, and seeking empathy and confessing not only my sins, but my struggles and my stress and my hurt to the Lord and to somebody safe, then that gap just gets wider and wider. And, and my real self gets more and more not known and hidden. And that just reinforces the depression. Bill, I should be interviewing you. <laughs> well, I... and this woman here, who I think has a lot to offer. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we're we're so grateful though for you, your courage to write about this, to share about this, to help people understand that this is something they they don't need to be ashamed about, and that there is help available and hope, and that we don't need to suffer alone in the dark, and the importance of community and engaging and having somebody we can confess, we can talk to. Confessing the good and the bad. Confession isn't just yeah. for sin. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's for That's acknowledging good. it all. Yeah. Bringing it all That's into good. the light of our relationship yeah. with God. Exactly. Well, I was just going to ask if in closing here, if you'd be willing to pray for our listeners. Yeah, well, for sure. Heavenly Father, we are in many ways in the Christian community, as I was talking to a friend earlier today, uh, none of us has ever experienced this in my in my 70 years, uh, with all the things that I had to face in ministry and all the challenges and raising the money and building buildings and managing and leading staff and being prepared every Sunday to do a message that was always a little bit better than the one the week before. Um, now it's just overwhelming uh, with uh, politics, with race issues, with COVID all in one year and churches uh, with half the number of people uh, attending and so many uh, unanswered questions. And, and Jesus, we, we talk so much about being the real church for real people and 
now's the time for us to get closer to you, closer mm -hmm. to one another, not to build our, our self-esteem by our success and the things that we think you're expecting us to do, but to build our faith, our trust in you, to be men and women of duty and faithfulness for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, church is full, church is empty. And we know that we're called to be faithful. And I pray for our listeners uh, from uh, out of all of my life experience and uh, from the ups and downs, the things I've learned, the mistakes I've made, I, I just pray, Jesus, that you'll, you'll make yourself real. Mm -hmm. as, as you said to Peter, I said, this is gonna be a bad night. And then you said, but I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. Mm -hmm. And I have confidence that, Lord, you are praying for everybody who's listening. And I ask you, Jesus, to make yourself real, so real, right in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Gary. Uh, his book is Leaders That Last by Gary Kinneman and Alfred Els, and I uh, really appreciate you being on Soul Talks, Gary. And we have this book, Seeing in the Dark, which is out of print, but you can buy them on Amazon. And Seeing in the Dark tells your story of, of uh, depression and how you dealt with that, how God met you in that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for the privilege of doing this with you. Yeah. Okay, friend, look forward to talking with you next week on Soul Talks. We have a fun soul shepherding resource for you, new with the release of Journey of the Soul. And these are called Soul Talk Cards. They're like a playing deck of cards. And for each of the Christ stages of faith that we talk about in Journey of the Soul, we have uh, eight different cards, and they're uh, very attractive, professionally designed. you got the symbol for the Christ stage on there, and then uh, you, you turn the card over, and you see a Bible verse that relates to that stage of faith and a soul talk question. And so this is a great way not only to learn the stages of faith, but to share them with a friend and to get to know each other better, to share your stories. And, you know, it's just kind of fun to just pick a card at random and then uh, look at that. You could use it in your devotions or uh, in, in a small group. People could all share a response to the questions. And uh, it's nourishing us in our journey with Jesus. So you'll find those on soulshepherding.org uh, in our store. These make a great gift for friends as well. It's been so fun to hear from so many of you who have read Journey of the Soul, the book or the leader guide and uh, shared your thoughts with us, your experiences with us. Thank you so much and just want to encourage you to go on Amazon and leave a star rating. It just takes literally seconds, but it helps so many people to find the book and find the leader guide if you just uh, jump on there for, for each of those products and uh, just leave a quick star rating. And the bonus is if you want to leave a review, a short comment on how the book has helped you that would be wonderful thank you so much for following jesus with us and just letting us know about your experiences your your questions it's so fun especially on the journey of the soul we've put so much into that book and so really appreciate your partnership with us in it thank you for joining us on the soul talks podcast to find out more about growing in your life and leadership subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org 